0: All the latest updates on your local and regional sports. This is Sports Talk on 92 WICB
1: Ithaca.
2: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of WICB Sports Talk, your home for the latest sports news, scores, and storylines from the Ithaca area. I'm your host, Lucas Orlovitz. Tonight, we take a look back at some stories from Ithaca Volleyball and the Yankees minor leagues. Justin Antonucci sits down with Matty Cox to discuss the Ithaca volleyball success, also, Nick Labrano talks with Eli Fishman about the state of the Yankees minor league system. Jaden Becker will also speak with Coach Turper of the Ithaca football team following their 40 to nothing shutout over St. Lawrence. Now to our first interview of the evening. Justin Antonucci sits down with Maddie Cox to discuss the Ithaca volleyball successes.
3: For WICB Sports Talk, I'm Justin Antonucci, and I'm here with freshman women's volleyball center Maddie Cox. Maddie, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. Uh,
3: of course, the a pleasure. Uh, so let's just get right into it. You're a very good volleyball player, but when did you first really start realizing that you really want to play volleyball?
1: Um, thank you. Um, I started playing volleyball when I was like 11, and I was like a little rec player and um, could barely hit the ball over the net. And I think I realized then that um, it was super fun, and I just, you know, wanted to um, keep playing it even at like a more competitive level. And um, I don't really know when I realized I wanted to play in college. I think it was just kind of expected of me when I started playing club. And um, I think for me, it was more of a choice between D1 and D3 and um, how much of my life I wanted to devote to playing volleyball, you know what I mean? And um, so I'm in a hotel, so that's why And so, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think college was just a given and it would just be like, like, I don't know when, um, coach, um, Dilfer reached out to me, it was just like a good opportunity. And I really liked it think like that. So it was, you know, good, I guess.
3: So what, yeah, you know, you mentioned you played club. What's the adjustment between like high school and club versus like playing now at the college level?
1: Yeah. Um, college is definitely, um, much more of your life that I think you like really, really put into the sport because, you know, like you're with your team every single day you're um, you're lifting every single day like and you're you're practicing every day and um club is club is definitely less of a time commitment i'd say um but it's definitely um similar in like the teams that you play and everything and um sorry <laughs> my teams, team's
3: don't worry guys. about it <laughs> um
1: and um so yeah i don't know club was definitely a really amazing experience at like it's like you're developing yours kind of like in the sport and you learn kind of how to be a good teammate how to be a good person like it's a lot of life lessons and then when you get to college it's kind of like where you implement all the stuff that you learned and like like you really have your family and you go to school with everybody there and it's just it's just like a really really good um it's a really good transition I really really loved it so far
3: and you mentioned everyone's walking by you are in Virginia for a volleyball tournament so yeah wish them all good luck.
1: yeah, you are. You.
3: You're you're a very important piece of this team. At only a freshman, do you feel any thank pressure you. on you? Uh, and you lead the team in assists right now. You're out there almost every set. Like, what's the pressure level? What's your mentality going to every set?
1: Um, so I feel like everyone, you know, like has that um has that kind of insecure side of you know, like, like everybody has stuff that they wish they they were better at, and like that you're working on, and you know, like definitely being younger it's um it's hard to go out on the court and like feel like feel like you really like belong there especially when like your team is so amazing and like you have such high standards for yourself and for like and everybody has such high standards for you but like the nice thing is is i think with this team is like i have had no time to really like sulk or be like oh like um i'm nervous or anything like that because this team is just so like pumped and we're just so ready to like go out there and like do a good job and like like they really are like my family my safety net and like I got to Ithaca and like um there's obviously a transition time but but it wasn't long and they really they really had my back no matter what and really really kind of took me under their wing and made sure that I felt felt um welcome and ready to be out there ready to be playing and like really really Part of the team is like our love for each other, and I think I really felt that ever since getting here. And I think that's why we're doing a good job, you know.
3: Do you have anyone you look up to specifically, like that you like you've kind of gravitated to?
1: Um, you know what's funny is, I would say we're all just like really, really good friends, and like, um, even the older girls, like our captains, are just so amazing. Like they do such a good job, and um, and you just really trust every decision they make, and um, it's easy to kind of follow like the lead of everyone here like as a freshman and um I really like my freshmen like the ones in my class are like definitely my best friends ever and like um they're just such amazing people but it's really funny because genuinely everyone on the team has just such an amazing personality and like I feel so lucky to um to just be a part of this team and stuff but I would say looking up to wise I would say um I would say all the captains are just really, really, really good role models, like Cam and Grace and Jenny. They're just all such amazing people, like, like as people and as, like, students and it's just as women and, like, volleyball players. And I just think, like, anyone would be lucky to have them as, like, role models and stuff.
3: Yeah, Right now you guys are on a 12-game win streak, which is very impressive. Uh, you're going to this weekend's tournament. Is that something you always keep in the back of your heads, like, we haven't lost, like, 12 games in a row? Like, like just talk to me about that a little bit.
1: Um, I mean, I know I'm very competitive and I know like the whole team is very, very competitive and, um, and you know, like we, we try and keep like ourselves grounded a little bit and just like make sure we go into each game, remembering to just like the reason we're here is to have fun and like, and we need to remain like really, really grateful. Like I know Cam says before every game, like, like we should be like overcome with gratitude for the opportunity and like, and I whole fully believe that and like wholeheartedly agree and like um I think it's just important to remember especially for me because I think if I went into every single game thinking like we can't lose because like we've won so many um I think it would just get in all of our heads so I think just remembering that like you only have so much time left playing like the sport that you love and like being with your best friends so like really putting it all out there and really just doing the best you can like we'll never we'll never go wrong you know
3: What's the what's the main reason you think that this team has won 12 games in a row?
1: Oh, I don't know. I, I genuinely do believe it's because of just, like, our environment, like, our atmosphere, like, that we play in and, like, um, that we just, like, that we just hold so dear to us is just, like, how much we do love each other. and Because I think there's a lot of teams that go out there and um, – and just kind of play volleyball and I think that we're not one of those teams I think we go out there and we play for each other and we just like do a really good job of um, incorporating like our relationships onto the court and um like our bench is crazy like if you watch if you watch our bench like we we all get really hyped even when we're on the bench and like everyone's just ready to be like um, like a part of the team and just like help each other and be friends I don't know it's like really special
3: you guys just be Cortland, you know, your biggest rival. Yes. Talk to me through the atmosphere, environment. You know, you just talked about the bench being so electric, but even just the fans in the stadium. Like, yeah. what was that like, your first, like, real rivalry game?
1: Oh, that was really stressful. I'm not going to lie. I um, I was really – I genuinely felt like I was going to throw up for, like, a good 30 minutes before playing. Um, I – like, we played big teams – like, I've played big teams before, like, in club and everything, and, like – um, but it's nothing compared, I guess, just because, like – you kind of go into a school knowing like um, kind of how it's going to be like against certain, another certain school. And like ours is Cortland, obviously. And, you know, I have this idea in my head like that we should win most of our games just because I just have so much confidence in like the team and everything. And, um, and so I, obviously that didn't change when we win the Cortland game, but I definitely was very scared about my performance, like really nervous about that. And like, um the student section was definitely bigger than it had been and that made me very nervous because I don't know I just wanted to play well you know like we all do and um yeah it was definitely it was definitely a learning experience I'd say um I was very hopped up on my own nerves during that game but the team did a really good job of like um I don't know just like coming together and and making sure everybody felt safe and like really good I don't know it was good
3: yeah, I mean you only let them in one set, so I think you guys did a pretty yes. good job. Uh yeah. our last question is you're only a freshman here for four more years, but like what do you see as like your end goal of playing for I think of volleyball?
1: Um
3: like what do you what do you want most?
1: Um I would say I just I just want to win. Like I, I'm having so much fun and like I want to win. Um like this year, I want to li- win Liberty League. And I mean, I feel like that's like kind of a goal just for our team this year. And I just want to make it as far in playoffs as possible. And like, hopefully, at one point in the next four years, like we'll get into the top four and, and like be in, be in a good position to like actually like maybe win like a championship or something. But, um, but you never know with those stuff. So I, and I don't want to jinx it or anything. But, but yeah, we're doing, we're doing a pretty good job. And I just want to keep, like I don't know, Grace and Jenny the other day were um they were kind of talking about how like how time flies and stuff and like you just wanna you wanna like hold on to the stuff that makes you happy and is like precious to you and stuff. And so I don't wanna like ever take any moment like I have with these people and on this team for granted, you know what I mean? And I just wanna um really like have as much fun and play as hard as I can while I still can. So I think that's that's probably my main thing is to just is to just be present and like and really like work hard like now and going forward you know yeah
3: and i one well i'll throw one little quick question liberally you guys think you have a shot this year
1: yes i do awesome. i i fully um 100 believe that we should win other things yes. awesome
3: well thank you so much for joining us today it was a pleasure uh good luck this weekend in virginia right uh yes yeah so okay, well good luck uh that's all. I'm Justin Ed for you. WICB Sports Talk, and I'll talk to you next week.
2: Thanks, Justin. And speaking of that, here's a look at the scores for teams on South Hill this past week. The number 12 13 Ithaca Bombers hosted St. Lawrence in a Liberty League matchup yesterday and won in dominating fashion, trouncing the Saints 40 to 0. A.J. Wingfield completed 18 passes for 213 yards and two touchdowns. Matthew Perry added another touchdown through the air and on the defensive side, the Bombers intercepted three passes, including pick-sixes by Tommy Moran and Jake Connolly. All-American Nick Bahamande also added two field goals. Women's soccer traveled to Union Saturday to take on the Dutchman, and with the score tied at two apiece in the 90th minute, a last-second goal by Allie Stanton sealed a huge victory for the Bombers. Stanton found the back of the net twice, while Rosie Boschen also scored in the 3-2 win. Men's soccer hosted the Dutchman at Carpwood Field Saturday, and it would be a decisive victory for the Bombers as they handled business, taking the match by a score of 3-1. Goals were scored by Connor Tierney, Jack McCarthy, and Christian Leach to help the Bombers pick up their second Liberty League win of the season. The Ithaca field hockey team won a thrilling overtime contest Friday at St. Lawrence to extend their winning streak to seven games. With the score knotted at one apiece in the 75th minute, sophomore Natalie Descalso found the back of the net to give the Bombers a 2-1 to victory. In each of Ithaca's last three games, it's been Descalso who's delivered the game-winning goal in OT. Heading to the court, the IC Volleyball team traveled to Fredericksburg, Virginia for a doubleheader against the University of Mary Washington and Salisbury. Unfortunately for the Bombers, their 13-match win streak was snapped by the Eagles as they won in four sets. In the second match of the day, however, the Bombers showed their resilience. After falling behind two sets to none, the Bombers completed a thrilling reverse sweep, winning three straight sets to take Game 2 against Salisbury. Let's now take a look at our second story of the evening. Nick Lebrano talks with Eli Fishman about the state of the mi- uh, Yankees
0: minor league system. Welcome in to 92 WICB Sports Talk. I'm Nick Lebrano. Alongside me is Eli Fishman, minor league reporter for the New York Yankees. Eli, how you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. We'll jump right into it. Eli, you have a, had a storied career, I guess we could say, of working as a minor league reporter for the New York Yankees. Am I correct? A little bit. I, I guess you could say, say story. storied. Storied. Uh, all right, so we'll get into the first question. So over the summer, you had the opportunity to work for the Somerset Patriots. How was that experience for
4: you? It was great. Um, a tremendous, tremendous organization that I've been working with you know, m- almost my entire life and then having the ability to go work for them in their second season as the Yankees affiliate. And th- the first year was the COVID year in that 2021 year where the Miners was kind of totally thrown out of whack. So in a sense, it was kind of like their first legit season. As the Yankees double-A team, especially from the media standpoint, we're back in 2021, no clubhouse access, couldn't really get any you know, interviews with the players for FaceTime. It wasn't really a normal season, and this was. So to be with that media department, um, helping a lot with the broadcast, a little bit of color commentary, working as a sideline reporter for some games. Um, helping cut a lot of stuff, doing a lot of live tweeting, you know, game notes, the the roster changes, just the the hectic life that is minor league baseball. Sold quite a few tickets for the Patriots too, and then just the atmosphere at TD Bank Ballpark. Uh, in Bridgewater is one of the best in minor league baseball and the fans there's over a thousand season ticket holders this season which is one of the best numbers in all of minor league baseball in terms of attendance everything the 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 fans are just crazy and you know being able to work there and and my office was in the press box and it was in the corner and I had a big computer and then there's just a window and and you know an 8,500 seat ballpark and then being able to see the fans every day uh the players be involved in all the broadcast stuff um, worked a lot with the media that came into, so getting to converse with some some of the big time New York media members that would come in and cover the team. Anthony Volpe and Jason Dominguez were there throughout the season. Some big time rehab guys. So it was it was a tremendous experience, and you know being able to learn so much from from that environment, that team, um, just about the game of baseball, but especially in the media standpoint and and working in sports, working with customers, all that.
0: Awesome, Eli. And, you know, sticking with what you did over the Patriots uh, this summer, what would you say were some of the biggest storylines throughout your time covering them this summer?
4: There were quite a lot, but uh, going back to Anthony Volpe, that had to be the the biggest one. He's from Watchung, New Jersey, about 15 minutes away. Grew up right down the street from the ballpark and actually lived at his house during the season, which is not something you normally see in minor league baseball. And he packed three of his teammates and best friends into his basement, who slept in there as well? And every weekend they would, you know, have parties at the Volpe household. Everyone would go over for they. Um, they would have, you know, Italian food catered. They would go out together, and it was really the closest bunch. Um, and the Patriots also, by the way, they were the twenty twenty two Eastern League champions, and and you know we were able to get a ring, so that was the cherry on top. But um, you know there were hundreds and hundreds of fans supporting Volpe, who was the Yankees' top prospect every single night. It was it was almost like a movie and. You know, for me, as someone that worked at at the stadium, when I would walk out at 11:30 p.m. after a three-hour game, there were sometimes we had 100, 200 people outside waiting for you, and police officers and security guards, and it was truly crazy to be a part of in that sense. And you know, his family bought had had between 50 and 100 tickets to every single game, and was extremely loud, and it was very much a, a family atmosphere with the Volpe family. And in order for the Patriots to get to the playoffs, to um, eventually get that ring, Anthony Volpe hit a walk-off home run in the final game of the first half of the season to clinch it in the bottom of the tenth inning. Um, so a walk-off homer in front of hundreds of family members, a sold-out crowd on a Sunday afternoon, uh, was definitely one of one of the greatest moments that for a lot of people. But that's a moment that I'm going to remember for my entire life, and and that was a lot of fun. And Volpe was definitely a big storyline. Derek Dietrich was with the team for a few weeks at the beginning of the season and um you know, a well-known veteran of the big leagues coming down to to play in Bridgewater, New Jersey for a few weeks is something you don't normally see and he was, you know, as much of of a friendly guy, uh, like there's I'm trying to think of the right word to describe him, but he just embraced everything. You you know, you talk about a guy with Ten years of big league experience, you wouldn't necessarily expect him to really embrace everything, but he embraced everyone around him—the fans, the teammates. They went out for ice cream down the street after every game. Um, He actually, you know, hung out with the with the Volpe family a lot and all that. So that was that was, those are two that definitely stand out. But there there were quite a lot. You know, there's a quite a lot jam packed into a minor league season and 142 games.
0: And you mentioned, you know, the Somerset Patriots coming away with the championship this season. Uh, From where they were at the start of the season, how did things change to them becoming champions?
4: It felt like they, from the first days of the season, you could tell by the camaraderie of the team that this was a winning team. Uh, The Yankees organization as well, um, as we know, has quite their winning ways from from rookie ball all the way to the big leagues and the history that they've all had. Um, But the camaraderie is really what was consistent throughout the whole season that led to that championship. Um, there were definitely some big promotions. Austin Wells, Tyler Hardman, Jason Dominguez, um, just a few names. Will Warren, just a few names of guys that were promoted throughout the course of the season that helped them get the ring, obviously, in the minors. You know, you got guys moving up all the time, so it definitely helps when you get some fresh new faces and some of the top players uh, in the minors to come help you with that playoff push towards the end of the season. So that definitely helped. But, uh, you know, going back to what I said before, the coaching staff was the same in Hudson Valley at the high affiliate in 2021. So almost the entire team played in Hudson Valley last year, and it was pretty much the exact same team, coaching staff included. Everyone was super tight. It was a super tight bunch, a very fun bunch that had a lot of fun on and off the field. So that definitely is what makes it special. And then every guy that came uh, and joined the team throughout the course of the season jumped right in on that fun and and contributed.
0: Awesome. And, you know, when you look at, you know, a lot of people talk about the minor leagues and the major leagues. What's a big cult? Is there a big culture difference in between the clubhouse of a minor and a major league team? And if so, what would be those differences?
4: It's tough. The, the environment is definitely different. Um, and in the minors, winning doesn't matter. As much as, as much as, as weird as it may sound, nobody really cares about winning. Because in the end of the day, every single minor league player is selfish. They want to get to the big leagues and make millions of dollars. And, you know, for good reason. That's what you're trying to do. The coaches don't necessarily care. Not I wouldn't say they don't care. Obviously, you want to win, and your end goal is winning. And on the developmental path to the big leagues, if you're developing players correctly, you're going to win on the way to the big leagues. And and that's one of the reasons the Yankees, again, at every level have been so successful. Um, but it's definitely a different environment in that sense in terms of guys are going to be selfish, and it's not going to be as team-oriented. You're not going to see as many, you know, team meetings, as many ejections for guys getting fired up um, because at the end of the day, it's really about getting your reps on your path to the big leagues, shaping yourself as a player um, to get there. You also, as I said, it's definitely different because you have such a different rotating cast of people You, you over, over the course of the season. Some teams have 50, 60 guys uh, on the roster throughout the course of the year, going up and down. Then you have rehab guys coming in. Um, you know, one towards the end of the year, Caleb Cowart. I don't know if you remember him, Angel's second baseman for a few years. I do. I do. He transitioned into a pitcher and came with the team. So, you know, I talked about Derek Dietrich earlier. And then Cowart came as a pitcher who was 30 years old with, I, he probably finished the year with like a 10 or 11 ERA. And so that was a really interesting dynamic. I would just say, compared to the big leagues, it's weird. When in the big leagues, it's you have that win now sense. Um, but in general, th- they're very similar. But um, I think people would be surprised when you like walk in a big league clubhouse, how almost open and friendly and and fun it is. Not necessarily locked in work you'd expect. People have their routines and everything, but it's it's very much like a family environment, like a high school for me as someone who you know plays club baseball here and played high school baseball. It's very similar to that in the big leagues in terms of you want to have fun and you want to win. It's not as, like, I guess, strict and serious as you might guess.
0: Awesome. That's definitely interesting to hear. Uh, Looking forward to the next couple seasons for the New York Yankees, what what was a player or some players that stuck out to you the most in your time covering the minors, and who do you think could be on the Yankees, let's say, next season or the season after?
4: There's definitely a lot of guys when you look up and down the system, um, the f- one of the first names that jumps out to me is Clayton Beater, who was actually acquired in the Joey Gallo trade straight up from the Dodgers, came, and he was with Somerset for the second half of the season after the trade deadline, and he dealt. Um, I mean, he looked like a guy that's going to be a top-end big league starter for, for quite a while. He was a lot of fun to watch. Will Warren was with us for a majority of the season. He was the eighth-round pick by the Yankees in 2021, and this was his first pro season. Uh, he didn't pitch at all because he reached his innings limit in 2021 in college. So this was his first pro season, and he made it all the way to AA and had, had an insane year. So he was another guy that was really fun to watch. Anthony Volpe um, is going to be a stud, uh, the Yankees' top prospect. Jason Dominguez as well spent some time in Somerset. And then one of my favorite players, uh, his name is Andres Chaparro, third baseman, who has hit balls, you know, 475 feet at 117 plus miles per hour off the bat, who, you know, was on a tear this season and was a lot of fun to watch. But I mean, throughout the system, there's quite a few names that fans are going to be seeing with the Yankees, but as well as other organizations for for many years to come.
0: That is definitely some interesting insight there Eli. Looking forward, what are some storylines that you think we're going to see out of this minor league system?
4: Let's see. There's there's definitely a lot. Um it's going to be interesting to see where a lot of players start next year because there's really a lot of talent that's kind of shifting towards the upper minors. We saw this year how that Oswald, Peraza, Anthony, Volpe duo kind of affected the chain all the way up to the big leagues with Isaiah of falefa And then Oswaldo Cabrera didn't really get the opportunity to play shortstop or the infield in AAA. Um, so then he moved to the outfield, and now he's he's seen what we do what, or we've seen what he's done in the outfield at the big league level. So there's a lot of um, clusters of guys at positions at the upper levels. You could see a lot of trades going on um, throughout the offseason. There's going to be a lot of Rule 5 draft and 40-man additions that are going to have to have to be made. For example, the catcher position, you have Josh Bro in AAA, as well as a whole bunch of other guys, Max McDowell, Rob Brantley, who are splitting time, and then Austin Wells is – I believe he's 22 years old now, the Yankees' number four prospect, who we may see in the big leagues next year. What does that look like in terms of are you going to have to trade guys at the upper levels? Um, the outfielder are a ton of talented outfielders. I mean, Miguel Andujar, Estevan Florial, and Tim LoCastro were the AAA outfielders for the majority of the season, and those are three big leaguers. And then you have a very, very talented outfield with Jason Dominguez, Elijah Dunham, Jason Rosario, Blake Perkins, and Double A. How do those guys move up? You know, where where do guys go? Especially with Florial, where does he end up? So there's a lot of storylines for sure. But um, moving space for for guys to move up the system is definitely going to be interesting.
0: Awesome. And final question: Last year, Matt Sostler interviewed you during the preseason about the Yankees, and you said the Yankees were going to be a third place team in the AL East. I'm just curious, what changed the narrative for the Yankees this season? Because you were not the only person to say things like that about this Well, team.
4: I, I said that, but I did say they were going to make a wild card spot in a playoff run. So I didn't, I didn't totally discredit them. Um, but the acquisi- i do like the acquisitions that they made, uh, a lot of them at, at the deadline in terms of Montas, um, in terms of signing Rizzo at the end, in terms of getting Isaiah Kiner falefa and Josh Donaldson right before the season started. Um, I liked a lot of the additions they made, and I definitely feel that helped. But Nestor Cortez Jr. and what he did for this team, I think has to be perhaps my sole reason um, that they were propelled so big. We, I'm sure I talked about it in that interview and throughout the whole beginning of the season. I was like, this team doesn't have a real number two. You have Garrett Cole, and then you have a huge drop-off but Nestor Cortez has turned into one of the best pitchers in all of baseball and, you know, really a number one starter up there with Cole. So I would say that's what boosted has boosted them the, the best. You know, now you have Cole, Montas, uh, as well as Cortez at, at the top three. Luis Severino had a great year. The top of the rotation was dominant, so all year, and that's what led them to the success that they, the Yankees have had.
0: Awesome. Thank you. And that's going to do it for this interview on today's episode of WICB Sports Talk. For Eli Fishman, I've been Nick Lebrano. Back to you, Lucas.
2: Thanks, Nick. And now let's take a look at East Hill over the past week. Cornell women's soccer took on Yale Saturday afternoon for a senior day contest, and both teams would go home satisfied with the draw as no goals were scored for either side. The Big Red outshot Yale 10-5, to but brilliant work in the Bulldogs' net kept the score knotted at zero. On Tuesday night, the 16th-ranked Cornell men's soccer team traveled to Colgate, where the Raiders would shock the Big Red, handing them just their second loss of the season. Andrew Cook of Colgate recorded a three-save clean sheet, and a goal in the 77th minute by Aiden Davick was all the Raiders would need to secure the victory, snapping a seven-game win streak for Cornell. The Cornell field hockey team had a Saturday morning Ivy League matchup against eighth-ranked Princeton. The Big Red would suffer a hard-fought 2-1 loss to the Tigers. Cornell took an early lead with a first-quarter goal by Grace Leahy, but two goals by Princeton within two minutes of action in the third would prove to be decisive. Now throwing it to Ithaca Football, WICB sidelines reporter Jaden Becker was able to chat with Coach Turper following Ithaca's victory over St. Lawrence.
0: Jaden Becker here for 92 WICB Sports Talk here on the field after a dominating win 40-0 Ithaca over St. Lawrence. Before we get into the game, any update or words on number one Anton Robinson and his injury this afternoon?
5: Yeah, just my heart breaks for him. You know, we're gonna see what the doctors have to say, but you know, obviously just in a moment like that, you just think about all the hard work and all the dedication and all the sacrifice that a young man like that has made this program and, and for his teammates and i just love him and i love him tomorrow just the same as i loved him today and i'm 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 so proud of him i'm so proud of him coach a big difference between the first half and the second half for this team what happened in that halftime locker to move them forward yeah no we were just really complimentary i think you know just of our defense the way we played there to be down three nothing in the turnover battle would be up nine nothing wow how fortunate were we right because our defense played lights out and I think you know I, our defense I had the defense go over and just rub some of that juju all over our offense and and they actually physically went and rubbed energy on them because it was just two different teams right there in that locker room we got to be one and I think it was a really nice gesture by our defense and uh, we came out in the second half and, and executed like we, we thought we would
0: Speak on this defense for a moment. This defense is absolutely dominant in this one. Zero points up on the board. This
5: defense is going to be special moving forward? Yeah, I think we just made some adjustments personnel-wise. Got our best players in the field. And when our best players in the field and they're flying around, they're playing together and play everyone's doing their 111th, they, uh, they can be pretty dominant for sure. So I'm proud of them, proud of their efforts. Anytime you hit an end zone once on defense, it's amazing twice is incredible, so I'm just proud of them and their, and their preparation for this moment.
0: First time that there's two pick-sixes in one game since Ever? St. Lawrence back in 2001, so big wow. stat for you Definitely. guys. No,
5: no, it's, it's a testament to our guys and finishing the plays, so very proud of them. Okay. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, guys.
2: Thanks, Jaden. Now moving ahead to this upcoming week in Cornell Athletics, the women's soccer team will travel to Providence, Rhode Island Saturday, October 22nd to take on Brown in an Ivy League matchup. Kickoff is slated for 3 p.m. Men's soccer hits the pitch Tuesday night at Berman Field against Binghamton in a non-conference match. Kick in that game is scheduled for 7 p.m. Big Red Field Hockey will travel to play Brown for a Friday afternoon contest on October 21st. Game time is scheduled for 3 p.m. Briefly, let's look at the upcoming week at Ithaca College. Women's soccer will host RPI Saturday, October 22nd at Carpwood Field. Kickoff for this Liberty League matchup is scheduled for 2 p.m. The next match for men's soccer will also be against RPI on Saturday as they travel to face the Engineers in Troy for a 2 p.m. kick. Field hockey will have two Liberty League matchups this weekend. As Friday at 4 p.m. they travel to Rochester, and Sunday they honor their seniors before taking on William Smith at 1 p.m. Next up, the girls' volleyball team will head to Geneva to face William Smith in a midweek Liberty League contest on Tuesday. And finally, football heads to Buffalo State for a rare Friday night matchup as they take on the Tigers at 7 p.m. That'll do it for this episode of Sports Talk. Special thanks to General Manager of Television and Radio Ops Jeremy Menard, Sports Director Nicholas Lebrano, our contributors this evening, Justin Antonucci and Nick Librano, and Station Manager Connor Hibbert. Be sure to check out at Bombers Radio Net on Twitter and Instagram for all the latest news and updates regarding our coverage of Ithaca College Athletics. I'm Lucas Orlovitz, and have a great rest of your Sunday night. Ithaca Now is coming up next.